0: Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 131, What's in Your Kill Bag? On this episode of Huntivore, September is here and the final push to season opener for whitetails is here upon us. Nick walks through his archery equipment and how he checks the condition of very vital gear. Later, he breaks down the contents of a recovery bag and his own kill kit for making life easier and a heck of a lot cleaner when bringing home the harvest. Lots of good tasks to add to your to-do list on this episode of Huntivore. Well, hey, folks, beautiful morning here in Michigan. I tell you what, we're going to be getting into the 90s uh, the next couple days, but that's, that's the last hurrah of summer, I feel. Fall is upon us. The autumn season is coming in, and I tell you what, their seasons are already opening in several areas of the country. Out west, people are already chasing elk good luck to you guys and gals that are out there please be safe as you pursue those amazing majestic wapiti here in michigan i know waterfowl has opened up uh for canada geese so that's an exciting thing that uh we've actually got uh got people on the ground starting the autumn harvest at this point uh for me we're still in the prepping stage. We're still in the planning stage, and I'm, you know what, to be honest, I'm okay with that. We've had a whirlwind of activities with kids, with uh, just starting back up at work, being an educator. The first couple weeks of school, not only for yourself, but just for your students, is, uh, is there's a lot going on. So we've been able to just kind of endure that, kind of find our new uh, routine, trying to fill up. Uh, uh, the kid's time has turned into, now it's filled up my time. It's one of those things that you just, you live with as a parent. Um, we did get to do a venture here this past weekend. I took the boys on their first mountain bike, uh, adventure over in Yankee Springs, the deep lake, uh, trails that go around deep lake and, uh, up through some of that amazing, uh, country that's, that's there. Um, big thing here in Barry County. But anyway, we we got a chance to do that. And the boys took it on full force. It was so fun to hear them race ahead. And then, you know, just the shouts of, whoa, my gosh, because now they have to go down uh, a steep hill with some rocks and some roots. But then on the very next breath, they have to then climb up a very steep hill when with rocks and roots and to have them take on that challenge take on that adventure we had our own spills we had our own thrills but I tell you what they had a blast and I think I've got them hooked at least for uh until until snow flies until it gets real cold I think we're going to be hitting up sections of that trail Um, I've heard it put that uh, I think it was an article quite a while ago not to tell your boys or even your girls, or you, just your kids in general, don't be careful. As in, like, don't tell them to be careful. Because at that point, it puts a stigma of they are in danger, that they are, uh, that they should hold back, that they should come back. Whereas instead, I want to ask them different questions. Watch what you're doing is being one of those questions to ask. What is your plan for climbing that tree? What is your plan for this route going down uh, this steep hill? Do you want to go on the rocky side? Do you want to go on the smoother side? Ask them these questions, not just tell them to be ge- be careful in general. And I know that's gonna that's gonna flare up a lot of moms and dads right now, being like, "Oh, but my baby! I want them to be careful." And at the same time, I don't I want my kids to be safe as well, but letting them take on difficult challenges, letting them take on adventures that you're prepping them for and letting them experience a little bit of that, like, ooh, what if I do fall? What if I do this? And to kind of process through that to have them think ahead. I know, shoot, I'm I'm speaking to my own self because here I am not very much of a forethinker uh, as a kid, and even as an adult. But at the same time, that was just something that stuck to stuck with me uh, several years ago. I need to dig that article back up. But anyway, that was a great time to be able to do that out there on the trails. That as we get to a sticking point, and before my middle boy just decides to go plummet down the middle, just you know keep the tires rolling, like ask him a few questions. What is your plan for this? Um, watch what you are doing and that that just puts that just instills a bit of uh forethought into them so yeah that's my I guess my current events right now we've uh yeah we're like we said we're getting into September and really I've been prepping a lot of my gear uh we've been I've been shooting and shoot actually the last you know couple couple weeks have not been the greatest when it comes to archery shooting and getting out there just being busy um i do like the idea of like hey take five minutes out of every day and go shoot three arrows because honestly from our talk with jeremiah we're learning that it's the first cold shot that counts when it comes to archery you don't necessarily get a second shot so really working on that cold shot go through your process and now repetitions do improve your process repetitions will increase improve your confidence seeing how you can group but at the same time you never get to put a group on an animal it is always the first flying arrow that is going to be doing all of the work so yeah I haven't had a chance to quite get out as much as I've wanted but we've got uh, we got the the prime all fixated right now with the hunting arrows at least it's tuned up and now we're just fine tinkering uh getting those to fall right where they need to you know each season yeah you put I I put marks on my my rest and I put marks Um, on my bow so I know where things need to line up and and how it needs to go but even once you get there like little things here and there have have changed or maybe the way that I'm holding my bow is uh, is now a little bit different and so you do you do have to go through and make those few few adjustments it's not like the old shotgun where you can just you know true it up once and and leave it like now this is this is something that's an ongoing process um but as for any new equipment. I, I'm not, again, I'm not doing any this year. Uh, 2020 was a big year for purchasing. Um, even in, in 21, uh, a lot of, a lot of big purchases, preparing myself to do my own elk trip, uh, a year ago or a year and a half ago, that was such a, just an amazing adventure. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm just working with the same equipment, that I have now, uh, to just kind of go along with that. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, we, uh, yeah, I am making some, some modifications. So we are rocking the, uh, the prime, uh, black one. I'm using day six arrows that are tipped with, uh, ethics, archery, uh, stainless steel, Uh, insert and cover sleeve insert and outsert I got the RMS cutthroats I've been loving those single bevels those things are are just awesome I'm also running uh, the bone broadheads I'm not sure if bone's still pumping those out or not but anyway they made a single bevel years ago and I've just had them and they're they're a great backup Um, put a Tried to put a put one into a coyote that was running through and just about had him. The, that the miss was on me at that point because uh, he was he was moving pretty fast. But so I've got uh, got the the cutthroats as the primary and then the backups. I got uh, those bone single bevels. Ow, yeah, just totally diving in with the heavy arrow and the single bevel. It has been great for my confidence. It's been great for. Uh, my my shooting ability I just that trajectory the the way that it makes the bow just absolutely silent is has been really good. Um, rocking the saddle again this year I did a post uh, about this earlier this weekend on going through and just checking all of my equipment. Um, I used to run, Well, I used to be a facilitator. I did not used to run a camp or a high ropes course, but I was a facilitator at a high ropes course. And I would instruct uh, anywhere from elementary kids to high school kids uh, up in a high ropes course. We'd be up 20 feet, and you'd go through different um, implements, and you'd go through different challenges to try and get these kids to be out of their comfort zone to work through problems some of them include like yeah just going across a skinny bridge others of them are uh, blindfolded and doing very complex tasks while they're up there and the whole idea is to just get them to get out of their comfort zone to to put a little bit of stress in their in in this activity where then we can unpack that talk about that and from there we work, worked a lot with uh with harnesses climbing harnesses helmets uh, ropes and webbing and different implements like that and just the things that I learned from that applies directly into getting my gear ready to be used this fall we put a lot of equipment whether it's our, uh, our our safety harness whether it's our actual stands climbers hang-ons whatever it is there's just a lot of stress like we can't even really talk about the, the forces that get put on that equipment we can't even we can translate it into pounds but it's almost like energy uh newtons that we're talking about when it comes to like if you were to fall will this hold you and even though you might weigh 180 to 200 pounds the amount of force that that strapping and stitching will undergo in that fall. Like that's, that's the the equation that is crazy. And I never got deep into all the technical aspects of it. I just understood that, Hey, you're not, even though you are 200 pounds falling, that is not 200 pounds of force. That's, that's a lot more force coming down on whatever equipment. And that's why making sure that your equipment can handle that. But then at the same time, people will also talk about how they're, Oh, they're, they're tough on their equipment and using that as a, as a badge of honor. And, yeah, you want to you wanna be able to not worry about your gear. Needless to say, as you are going through your hunting, as you're getting to your stand, as you're getting to your spot, as you're hiking up, as you're, you're walking out, or whatever your scenario, you don't want to worry about the, the equipment failing. At the same time, you want to be able to check that equipment. You want to be able to, at a safe time when you're not 20 feet in the air, Check to see if that equipment is operational. Uh, the warranties are checked when your feet on the ground, not 20 feet in the air. That's a little that's a little more difficult once you're up there. But anyway, I went through and just checked all that. Checked the sheathing of my lineman and my uh, my girth hitch, and saw that yeah, on the, on the lineman, I got a little bit of fuzziness, a little bit of fraying on the sheathing. But that's just a little bit of wear and tear, and that is, as of right now, it is cosmetic. It has not worked through the sheath. It has not gotten into the core. Um, I haven't had to really inspect on, or I haven't had to um, really find a spot, a hot spot yet on on any of those ropes. But you're just seeing, like, okay, we're getting a little little bit of wear and tear here. Even on... On the harness, or excuse me, the saddle itself that I'm using, I'm using the tethered Phantom. Um, At the ends of where the webbing are at, I'm getting getting some fuzziness. I'm getting uh, a little bit of fraying, but the stitching is all held very tight. I have nothing wrong with the stitching. So it's literally just at those ends, it's beginning to get a little fuzzy. A couple things you can do with that. You can go with the the lighter trick and you just kind of get some heat on there or even a heat gun and then just kind of pinch it all together. Or you can just leave the, leave a little little bit of that fuzziness. But as you grab your equipment, you know, you pull it out of your tub or now if it's hanging in the garage or in your, your go-to spot, just check some of that stitching, make sure that there's not an end that's coming undone and make sure that, um, you haven't got any big gashes in any of those pieces or even in like in the carabiners Um, because again the forces that you put on those things sitting back you can stretch those out eventually like yeah they are made to withstand a certain amount but at the same time it doesn't hurt to check that so look for stretching in carabiners or bending and twisting in any of your metal buckles or or attachment areas. Um, burrs, making sure that anything is, if it's got webbing that's going to run through it or if it's got rope that's going to run through it, you want to be able to run your finger along and not find any burrs. Maybe maybe it clinked on something and it's just made a sharp point. It's amazing how fast stuff like that can happen. Um, again, working at that a ropes course, daily checks happened on stuff and we would find burrs in the afternoon that we didn't find in the morning. And it was because it clicked on something or it got twisted up or we saw some of the stitching come off. And, you know, it was just one of those things like, well, we need to now set that, that this one is now retired. We got to get a new one. Can you do that with every piece of equipment every single time? Can you retire all of your equipment at once and then, and then buy new? No, but at the same time, checking that, and seeing when you need to make your, best, your next uh, your next purchase, or at least keep that in mind, you know, me picking up another lineman's rope here in the next, oh, maybe two years, that might be a good thing, because because that fraying is going to continue. The entropy is going to happen on all of that equipment, and I don't want to get to the day where I'm now looking at the core of my lineman's rope as I'm about ready to climb a tree. That's just not the responsible part. So anyway, that is my, uh, two cents on checking your equipment. Yeah. Like I said, I'm, I'm running the saddle. I'm going with the tethered phantom. Um, as far as sticks, I'm using my Hawk helium full length sticks. I'm a short guy, so I need the full three feet. Uh, got a homemade, uh, what am I? Oh, I got an aider. I got a homemade aider system made out of a couple old ratchet straps that um, I lost some of the ratchets to. So I tied the ends of those. Those go, slip over my feet, and then the hook is left on my thigh, and I'm able to then make a step up, put my toe into the tree, hook onto that first rung, and be able to pull myself up, step up onto that ladder, or that yeah that that stick that's now on the tree. So that's what I've got for that. I have been running a pack that is, it's like, it's a no-name pack. Uh, It does the job, though, for me. It was small, it was compact, but it it doesn't have a frame in it. And when I switched over to running uh, the saddle, I had to bring my sticks out with me, and I can strap those to the back, but not having a frame on that pack... Makes it real loosey-goosey. I could feel that thing just moving all over the place. Uh, Did it get the job done? Yes, it would carry my equipment out there. But now I'm to the point now where it's like, ah, it's just kind of a mess. And I purchased uh, an Eberly stock F1 mainframe for out west. And actually, I've used that on several occasions here just uh, around the farm. And around, around the woods, it's been really nice to use that pack. Uh, just <laughs> I have taken a five-gallon bucket, just slapped it on there, and it's so easy to put, you know, tools in there and hike those out to wherever I need. And then I got my, you know, my bucket of, uh, bucket of tools there. That's been really nice to do. Uh, but I got the bat wings for that, and I think that's how I'm going to run all my equipment this year is with that framed pack. So the sticks will... I think I'm going to drop the sticks in against the frame and then whatever, like, overlayer that I want to be able to put on there. And then all my equipment, everything that I'm going to be wanting to take out with me, my um, my recovery kit or my kill kit, that's going to go in one of the bat wings. Uh, another, you know, my uh, down vest, that's going to get shoved into one of the pockets. I'm definitely not going to need that here, I think, in the first part of the season. Um, water, definitely. I'm going to be able to bring out some water in, in these, um, coffee for the mornings, the hand warmer, the, uh, all the equipment that I'm just going to want to bring out. I, 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 when it comes to a pack, I guess I don't need a whole lot when I go and just sit out in the woods, but just the organization that that's going to be able to bring is going to be super, super nice. Um, But yeah, I'm going to leave the bat wings zipped together, but not zipped to the pack. And I'm going to use the compression straps and the compression straps on that whole frame will hold the sticks, will hold those two bat wings and will hold my platform. Um, I went cheap on the platform. I went with another Hawk, uh, Hawk platform. I've heard a lot of not goods and a lot, a lot of goods about it, but for the price, it'll, it'll do me for what I need right now until I can uh, get get something a little bit better. So I've got all that strapped in. Once I get to the tree, the sticks go on my hips. I've got two loops of paracord that, those are gonna cl- that once I make up the first rung, I carry the sticks up with me, and then I put the uh, platform uh, at my back. And I would put the pack on my back, but I think what I'm going to do is run the bat wings separate, and they're going to ride up with the bow so I'll hook on my bowstring to the bow and those those batwing packs leave the mainframe on the ground at the tree hoist everything up and then at that point hook it all up with a little DIY hook system that I got going on yeah again until I can find something better the old DIY option is going to do what I need it to do So, yeah, that is a very quick run-through about my setup. Before we continue, let's get a word from one of our partners, Sooner Truck Sirens. If you are heading across state lines for hunts this year, be sure to secure your truck and all your gear with a Sooner Truck Siren. John is currently testing out the prototype on some early-season hunts already this year. Best of luck to him. Packages include a window sticker to warn thieves, a portable streetlight, and enough cell service to call a loved one back home. For more info, go to sportsman's empire backslash network backslash Oklahoma Outdoors. Sooner truck sirens. You needed new camo anyway. Now, back to the show. Huntivore is not liable for the outcome of the product or its existence. Any claims for false advertising will be ignored. Attempt to a purchase or return will be sadly denied. Also, any hard feelings can be sent to huntivore at gmail.com, where it would be read, laughed at, and trashed. Well, there you go, John Hudspeth of the oklahoma outdoors podcast enjoy your dream season like i mentioned seasons were opening up and for john he's already out there chasing after whitetails so yeah there's a little uh, little treat for him if he happens uh, to tune in when in the field accuracy and precision count that's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels tune our arrows and use a fish binder on the water but why should our drive for control end there The Tappacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tappacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a -a Tappacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes. And use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your keyhole. Dry-aged steaks used to be a steakhouse-only indulgence, and Old World charcuterie was pricey due to being imported or created at a small batch-specific scale. Thanks to Umai Dry, their synthetic dry-aging bags and casings allow you to create these meat-crafting treats in your own kitchen. Working in tandem with your fridge, the Umai Dry bag material allows moisture and air to pass through, making it possible to dry-age large cuts of steaks or roasts. Paired with their curing and seasoning kits, along with safe and easy-to-follow instructions, salamis and dry sausage are well within your grasp. Use the link in the show notes and sign up for the newsletter to receive 10% off your order. Umai Dry, helping us elevate our wild game from the home kitchen. So still sticking with the idea of equipment, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about a recovery bag or a... Kill kit that when you bring it into the woods, that is going to be the necessary items you're going to need when you make the harvest. Uh, I talked a little bit about this to a, a friend of mine. I was just asking, like, what what does he bring? What are things that he he wants in in his pack? And what are some good ideas? And he did bring up the idea, like, are aren't you putting the cart ahead of the horse here? You're already bringing something in that's going to prepare you, that's going to ba- basically make your ses- your hunt successful. You're already planning ahead on a successful hunt. And yes, that is the exact idea, but at the same time, I don't want to be caught with a dead horse and no cart. I want to be able to, when I put the animal down, have the means and methods to be able to harvest that meat quickly, efficiently, and effectively. These items aren't necessarily hefty or heavy, but they are helpful when it comes to, like, just like I mentioned, being able to bring that meat in. A lot of them you, you already have, you already use, but then at the same time, like, having them at the ready. So mine, uh, as a whitetail hunter, can fit inside a quart bag, quart zip-top freezer bag, ziplock bag uh, that just gets stuck in the, the bottom of my pack, or now it's going to be one of those bat wings, but I'm able to put all the necessary items that I need in there, have them sealed up in the bottom. I'm not going back in and having to reorganize and, and you'll get it. But then at the same time, when I make a good shot, when I see the animal go down, I'm able to then use that and get on the animal. Um, with that recovery, though, even before I get to that animal, there might be a time where I need to um, either back out or then come back and then and track blood. That's that's all part of the deal. That a perfect shot um, is what we go for, and there's sometimes where things are outside of our control. Uh, we have a we we hit a branch with a with it, or it it does hit bone and and doesn't get the exact hit that we were looking for, and so we got to be able to be be ready for that. Um, Most often than that, a lot of times you you are backing back out, but I've got a nice LED flashlight that I bring with me. It really lights up um, the space. It uses, you know, right now it uses uh, alkaline batteries, like big alkaline batteries, but at the same time, pop those out uh, at the end of the season, pop them in at the beginning of the season. Um, Works out great. It's it's pretty heavy, but at the same time, I don't mind carrying out uh, that tool because, once my headlamp is, I mean, the headlamp is what I walk out with, but then to have a spotlight, have something that I can really light up the ground, uh, it's really helpful to find, uh, find the blood and be able to follow that. Uh, the next trick is that, that I also carry in there is a roll of teepee. Uh, that is actually twofold. I keep that sometimes at the ready. Uh, if you're unprepared for morning with coffee and then you walk out there and you all of a sudden have extra business to take care of, don't, don't rely on your sock or what <laughs> other piece. Don't go ill-equipped. I throw a roll of teepee. Uh, again, now with the bat wings, again, it's going to fit down snug in there, and it's just going to be almost like this added cushion. But that roll of teepee is uh, so helpful when it comes to recovery, and I learned this from my hunting partner, my neighbor. He, uh, he carries whenever we are recovering a deer, he brings out a roll of teepee, and two squares goes on the site of blood. And so if it's hanging in a tree, he lays it up there. If it's on the ground, he you know lays it over a leaf or a stick next to it. And we then begin to see the picture. If the blood trailing starts to get thin, we at least have a direction in which we're going and we're not walking over our stuff. And so that has been a, a eureka idea, a definitely old school idea uh, to the whole thing. So yeah, we take squares of TP and drop that along and, Hopefully it, uh, it's a short track, but at the same time after it rains. I and mean, if you come back that way, you know you can pick up all your teepee. Uh We've had uh, times where we haven't gone back and the stuff just dissolves uh, there into the ground and, and we don't need to worry about it. But anyway, TP, the role of that is essential in, in recovery. Um, I've not personally used an ultraviolet light, but I'm sure that would be something that would be be really good. Um, and now with more and more houndsmen getting onto the blood tracking, uh, that's also a great uh, thing to have on. That's not necessarily something you put in the pack. That's a, that's a number you got in your phone. I've got uh, a good friend who's got a dog who he's working with, and I got him on speed dial. So when, when the deer takes off and I'm not able to recover it, we give, we give uh, Ray a call, and he, uh, he does an awesome job. But back to the uh, kill kit, uh, as I refer to it, uh, getting into my nitty-gritties. Mine all fits in a quart-sized Ziploc bag. I like to keep it nice and compact so it's not in the way. I can stick it down in there. There's not necessarily anything. Uh, it, most of it's all pliable anyway. Um, and it's just things that are going to prepare me to field, dr- <clears throat> to field dress and be able to uh, get the, the extra fifth quarter pieces that i'm looking for if i want really to harvest the organs this is going to help you be able to prepare yourself to do that and so like again quart size uh sealable bag first is if i have either a contractor's uh trash bag or um a three by three three foot by three foot folded piece of plastic um when we had contractors come through and, and do a Work on a portion of our house. Put in, put in a pantry. Um, they plasticed off the the section of the house when they were nit- taken down and demoing a bunch of the drywall, and they just left the roll. And so that's been an awesome thing to be able to use. Is I just cut off a three by three section, and that just gives me a place to be able to lay down uh, pieces that I want to keep. The heart goes onto that piece of plastic. The The liver goes on to there. It lets me take the gut pile out if I haven't spoiled it, or I mean, yeah, if I haven't opened it up and spoiled it. The call fat from nicking a piece of the intestine or the gut, I can pull all that out, lay that on there. Now it's not getting all dirty and rolled around into leaf duff and, and everything else. It keeps things nice and clean, and that that way I can take time to be able to take off. The call fat. So, having just an absolute clean spot that I can lay things down that I know it's not going to get dirty, that plastic or that contractor's bag. With the contractor's bag, that'll actually come into play again here in a little bit. That's a two folder. I can lay it flat, closed, and then put things on top. And then later, if you do choose to quarter your animal, you can open that up to protect your pack. Um, but I will also throw in there a gallon sealable freezer bag. That thing gets uh, folded up inside the cork bag because that's going to be the uh, vessel that takes everything out. Um, I can get a heart. I can get call fat. I can get kidneys. I can get liver. You can get all the whitetail stuff inside of a gallon Ziploc that is able to then keep from spilling around. If you know if I'm going to be throwing it on the, the meat hauling pack, it's going to keep things from, from leaking out all over the place. What I've also done is just if I have field dressed it, I take that Ziploc and I just throw it inside the chest cavity and uh, we'll deal with it when we get back in it. It seems to do a good job at holding it in there and not, not falling out. Um, gloves. I know that's, that's twofold. Some guys are saying like, don't bring gloves, bring gloves back and forth, back and forth. It's, uh, it's whether you got them handy or not. Essentially. I like to do it because if I do get my hands into, um, some, some bile, I get into, I, you know, I nick something and now I got, you know, shit on the gloves, Well, I'll take two pairs out. And then what you do is you put a pair on, and then you put the other pair over the top. So now if I have dirty gloves, I got shit gloves, rip those top ones off. Throw those uh, next to where your pickup pile is. That's going to go in the quart bag. That's going to take care of all the trash that you're be- going to be making on this. So I take those off, and then i got fresh gloves. Or at the same time, if I've got now one pair on, I, again, I've got poop all over them. i got bile all over them. Slide those off, go to your bare hands, and then your bare hands are your like last line of resort. So again, it's just on that whole idea of cleanliness. Not on you, but on the items that you are bringing back. Another item that I really like out there is going to be shop towels. Those blue, I don't even want to say cotton, I'm not even sure what they are, but they are just, I love shop towels for uh, field dressing and cleaning up cleaning up blood. They are uh, pricey per roll. Uh, it's amazing, like when you do a job in your, in your shop, and you're using these shop towels on grease and oil, which do a great job on you know small engine stuff and you know, cleaning up gas and things like that. Like you use one sheet, and you're like, okay, maybe I can maybe I can wipe things down and then and use it again because it is. Uh, highly sought after uh i keep paper towel out there for the boys to use because they're not going to get into my nice shop towels at least for their adventures right now so anyway we use uh, or i use the blue shop towels i think they do a better job at absorbing and uh, cleaning things up but i'll take two sheets of those uh possibly three depending on how it's going to fit in there but i fold those up and slide those in having the ability to, yeah, wipe your hands down, having the ability to wipe off your blade, having the ability to just get something clean, and again, weight for value that they bring is um, super. They don't weigh nothing. They fit right there inside that Ziploc bag, and you're away, way to go. Um, This one sits out, I mean, I could stick it in the bag. I keep it or it could go in the Ziploc. I keep it on the outside. Um, a folding replaceable blade knife. I've got one of the uh, old Havilons that I, I enjoy using. That has really become my field dressing specialty knife. Um, for when I'm working with the gut, when I'm working with uh, the anus, being able to pull that out, that replaceable blade knife has done a, an awesome job. Uh, notoriously they have not been my favorite because of the thin profile of the steel that model that i have it if you torque on it and you try to pop a joint it's it's gonna break it's not gonna not gonna hold up to that and that's just the fact of you know how thin the steel is but at the same time for working on uh small game it can pop small game joints very nice it works very meticulously it's it's just it's like a scalpel uber sharp um, when i'm done with that blade click it off wrap it up in a um, piece of cardboard tape it so now, i now someone's not sticking themselves and you can, then you throw that on the recycle bin or even in the trash but that's that's what i really like that knife for it's lightweight but at the same time i get very sharp accurate cuts uh to be able to open up that that deer i have put it inside the ziploc bag before i've also kept it out just in case a uh a small game critter comes out at the same time that uh, I'm getting bored, and so <laughs> to be able to have that ready to clean a squirrel or a rabbit. It's always been been nice to have, but having that there, and then um, a length of paracord, having you know six feet of paracord that you're able to wrap up uh, in your in your little uh, recovery bag is going to help out immensely. Um, way I've used it is if I'm out there by myself and need to get a leg out of the way. I can put a clove hitch onto the hoof, uh, you know, handover knot onto a sapling, and that's going to hold that leg out of the way, so now I only have to worry about blocking with my hip the other leg. It's just that little extra effort that you think, oh, this is, I don't need to take the time to do this, I don't need to take the time to, uh, let's just, just quick do it and be on your way that just quick do it ends up becoming, you know, you end up cutting yourself because you don't have a good angle or you make a bad cut and then you cut into the intestine. Or if you just don't set yourself up right, it's uncomfortable, it, it doesn't end up being, not to say that it can, it's not an enjoyable experience to field dress, but at the same time it can be a more enjoyable feel, uh, process if you've got someone holding a leg or if you don't have someone to be able to tie that off. Um, I've also done where I, if I need a quick drag, I'm able to yeah clove hitch on two of the hooves, prop the neck up so that I can get, uh, get the antlers up. For me, that's usually not a big deal because big antlers aren't usually on my deer. But I'm able to then use that paracord along with a stick, a stick in there, and then I'm able to just move the deer, use that as a drag bar uh, to help out. So that's another piece that I can use that paracord for. Um, I'm a dragger when it comes to getting the deer out. That hair, if if I pull head first and I have the back end going away from me as I pull, the hair does a great job at keeping the ground at the ground and, yeah, keeping the the deer up off the ground just a just a tiny little bit it slickens it up if I pull with the grain of the hair versus against um I've seen guys that have done several different things uh you know bring in a, a sled you know having your uh the you know the otter sleds from ice fishing those are a great thing to do if you've got uh got the means to, if that you take that along that's a great idea. I've seen smaller. Uh, Thinner plastic sleds that have also been worked very well, where essentially they strap the deer to the sled, but still pull the deer, and the sled just kind of rides along the bottom. That just gives you enough, you know, less resistance as you go over uh, some terrain. That works out really well. I've even seen where it's just a real thin piece of plastic, that three by three piece of plastic. If you're able to strap that on the underside of the deer, uh, just less uh, less friction. That's going to be able to to pull that along. Um, so that's that's the last thing tossed in the pack um, that I do use is is I do bring a fixed blade knife I've got a oh I believe it's a it's a wild edge it's got an orange handle, nice grip to it it's got a bull nose as in the nose curves uh, up and then it's got a gut hook on it. Um, I'm not really a big lover of the gut hook just because i I haven't figured that out. I haven't been able to really get the zip that I've been looking for in in the gut hut aspect, but having a fixed blade, oh, five inch or four inch, four and a half inch knife uh, with a bull nose on it. If I've got to get up into the chest cavity a little more, that is a stout knife that I'm able to pop that sternum or at least a couple ribs to be able to get up in there. If I finally want to take off the uh, knee joint or the knuckle and leave the hooves out there. Because it's going to be a long drag, and I want those out of the way. I can crack that off, or you know, pull that, pull that off. It, it's a beefy knife that can handle a lot of those jobs uh, right there in the field. So keeping one of those where the replaceable knife would not be able to handle it. Just having a fixed blade. Well, that also ends up becoming kind of the utility knife too. If I have a have a branch that's in my way as I'm climbing up, and I need to take that off, you know, a small sap or a little little twig or something i'm able to use that and take it off clean as opposed to you know reef it on the tree um going down my list here oh my shackles so using the paracord before to to pull uh my wife got me one of those like sportsman's bag or sportsman's boxes in the mail and you would get a few items each month just to just to play with and tinker with and the one that i got is actually a a, a leg shackle that I open it up and it, a piece of piece of rope winds through it. And I take those two shackles and I clamp them together on the deer legs. I can, you know, attune the head. So it's picked up. And then I put the hooves behind, shackle it up, pull that thing tight. And I, now I've got a handle A plastic handle that's there, and those legs get held secure, and so I just have to keep on pulling that rope, and the deer's going to follow behind. That's been a great little thing to throw in the pack uh, to be able to recover the deer as well. Again, I'm a, I'm a dragger. Uh, We've got a lot of trail systems where I'm at, at least on the on the family farm side of it. If I go up to state land, um, there's dirt roads that run. Uh, that intersect along the one side, and then there's also a couple other little trails that access is to that can get get nicer. Uh, you might be in a hellhole right exactly where you're at but you're not too far off of some little access point where you can get either a side-by-side, a quad, or even uh, a, a buddy to be able to help you out. So I've always just kind of drug things to where I can get easy access to them, and then either from that point make it an easier drag on myself with a sled, or at that point throw it into the back of, of whatever's waiting for me. Um, but if you are deeper, having the ability to then be able to break that animal down is going to be super helpful uh to be able to gut it and to be able to quarter it and then throw it onto a packs for easy easy hiking um you're going to be able to do that our fellows right now that are out in uh out west either in colorado or montana and some of those places where they're chasing elk the only way that you can get there is with the feet that are underneath you and so being able to quarter out that animal um my whitetail kit my whitetail kill kit can adapt pretty easy to that um you know you got a three by three folded piece of plastic in a contractor's bag uh it could be as easy as turn that into two contractors bags one that you're going to actually cut the side seam and open flat or at that same time just make it a five by five piece of plastic Uh, both of those weigh nothing other than a couple ounces and they stuff into wherever you need them to go you won't even notice them but that would be super helpful for that Um, I would probably say two or three pairs of gloves the more pairs that you can put on over the top you get messy, pull them off, and you got a fresh set. That's a good thing to do. Um, maybe five shop towels, <laughs> adapting that to the the five shop towels. Um, you're gonna want to bring something to to add an edge to your knife again um, for that fixed blade. If it's gonna be doing work on a lot of bone popping joints and, and you're scraping a little bit you're going to want to be able to put a a honed edge back on that so bring it out a steel um a little section of steel a two or three inch piece um i've got oh it's like a little folded sharpener um i forget the it's not yeah it's not a name brand that i think people think of but anyway i take that and it can fold out i can do a couple swipes on the blade fold it back up throw it in my pocket and it uh helps bring life back to that blade as I'm taking apart something in the field so that's going to be something that you want to be able to do uh very possibly another fixed blade knife (laughs) if that one is dull or you break one having a backup is always good I never was a boy scout uh, growing up on the farm, it, we kind of lived by same of the same code that the Boy Scouts did. As far as if you've got one, then you got none, because it's going to end up getting broken. So that's where bringing a, a bonus one in the bottom of the pack, uh, or just kind of tucked away, that's that's what you're going to want to have. Uh, foldable bone saw. Again, here in the Michigan whitetail woods, a saw isn't something that I necessarily am going to be bringing out. Uh, should I possibly be bringing one for a mul- whole multitude of reasons? Yeah, uh, but I save a lot of my bone work for when I get it back and hung up. So bone saw, though, if you're out in the woods and you want to be able to get through those ribs, um, you're not necessarily going to be taking apart long bones or thick bones uh, at the joints. You're not necessarily going to be cutting those in half, but getting through ribs, getting through and around spine, that's going to be something where the, the bone saw is going to be a good thing to do. And then game bags. There's a whole sorts of game bags you can get out there. Some cheap, some expensive. I uh, I never got a chance to use the ones I took out west that I borrowed. Um, but seeing uh, some of the cheaper ones, it's like a you know yeah just a, a cheesecloth sack. It's a re- really great idea if you're trying to keep meat clean and you're trying to keep meat. Uh, if it, it's utmost important or like just. Bringing it back in its ultimate state, uh, game bags is going to be useful. If I've taken apart an animal here in Michigan, I've used, uh, yeah, the contractor bag, and when I've taken it apart, I've left the hide on. I'm a I'm a hide-on believer in the fact that that epidermis, that hair, is going to do wonders at keeping things from getting onto the meat. And it's already, there's connective tissue that keeps it on there. It's not going to allow anything to get up in between it very easily, not until my knife does. So keeping that on, I try not to disturb that inside of wherever the joint is at, say it be one of the the back court, quor- the you know, the rear quarters or the front quarters, being able to peel that off, uh, keeping that area uh, off the ground, laying that on the plastic, hanging it from a tree. You know, you've got your paracord looping up both front quarters over uh, over a branch. That's going to be helpful as you're trying to prepare yourself to get out. But again, sticking those quarters into that contractor bag keeps your pack clean. Um, but if you do expose them, like yeah, then you've got the the game bags that just basically provide a little bit of that extra safety net there. Um, And other than that, maybe another little bit of paracord, and you're all set. It's a pretty primal thing that when you're field dressing and recovering an animal, it's just a lot of hard work. You're going to have to use what you've got on you, and at the same time, you don't want to take a lot out there with you. So, yeah. Yeah. All it needs to be is a quart size, uh, Ziploc bag. All it needs to be is a, uh, a cinch down or a cinch bag, little like little ditty bag with your game bags, with, with all of your implements that you're going to want to have to use in there. Um, it, but at the same time, I, I say, it's a real primal, primal process. These little things make that process easier. It makes that process more enjoyable. um, I could even shout out to the guys that even have better setups than I do. You know, they might be, uh, they might be using a game cart. At that point, they might take apart their deer, they might gut it out, hang it up, put their tag on it, and then go back to the truck where their game cart waits, wheel that sucker out, and then, uh, bring it back in with a, with a buddy to be able to pull. That's a great way to save on your back. If that's been a thing, if you're, if you're getting a little on the, uh, the gray side there and you know <laughs> the next morning after recovery your your body doesn't bounce back as well you know getting a cart can be helpful um shoot i just did a quick look for electric bike uh saddlebags to see if if they've got those yes they do have saddle bags on the back of an electric bike or even a mountain bike that you could take your quarters slide those things in and just ride your way back uh to where your truck's at um They've even got trailers now for some of the electric bikes. And uh, yeah, it's if you're going to make the investment on that, you might as well just get a trailer to go along with it. So there's there's another add-on you could go with it. But uh, yeah, the feet that you got, the rope that you're going to be able to pull it with, whether it be paracord or something a little thicker, and just dragging that deer, that just seems to be my my go-to. Keep the skin on, keep the hide on, and that'll keep the dirt out. At least uh, that's what you hope. And if it's snowing, well, hey, good on you. You've got even more slickness to help you out. So that's our talk today. Uh, Brief overview of what I'm taking into the archery woods this year on how I'm jumping to a meat hauler pack uh, with my F1 mainframe and using that to also carry my gear out. But at the same time, yeah, maybe I go through the steps and actually quarter the deer and bring it back to the house rather than, uh, than drag it. We'll see what uh, we'll see what develops there. But yeah, I hope you enjoyed my oh little little talk into that. I hope you glean a little bit uh, both from the equipment checking. That yeah, if we're hard on our equipment, this is stuff that we we want to feel like when we go out into. Uh, the wilderness, that it's going to hold up. Let's check that before we get out there. Let's check that when we get back so that we don't have any mishaps. Because, yeah, we've got responsibilities to come home to, and we don't want to be one that is uh, fall victim to just not paying attention to what's out there. But at the same time, prepping ourselves with the success. You know, not putting the cart before the horse, but at least not forgetting the cart (laughs) not forgetting the way that we're going to get that animal back is good for us so folks as you go on and continue to get your reps uh with archery equipment or even beginning to sight in uh for your firearms as you begin to prepare yourselves for the next month at least here in uh, a good portion of the country here in october where we will be chasing after our beloved whitetails, make sure you're ready for a full recovery Make sure that you've got the pieces that you need to make that process enjoyable and that that replaceable blade knife or even that fixed blade knife is in there is prepped and always sharp.